0: All right, we're not even going to waste any time. Let's go ahead and talk about it. Why wait? Why wait? Let's go ahead and talk about it right now. Did you watch? Did you watch? I know you did because I did. And I told myself I wasn't going to watch. But as it got closer and closer and closer, (laughs) they got me. They got me. So they got me. I know they got you. But yeah, welcome back, man. Parking lot pull up, um, fresh off of Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Hope you had a healthy, safe, and of course a happy Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving weekend. Um, it was excellent over here on my side of town. Uh, I was back home for the first time since 2015 for Thanksgiving. So, you know, even despite all the, despite all the changes in the obvious protocols that we have to go by it was cool it it was cool to be back i enjoyed it tremendously and you know there there were some differences also there were some major um things that, that had never been on a thanksgiving in my case before but overall it was enjoyable and hopefully the same can be said for yours now i'm gonna ask you again did you watch saturday november 28th the boxing match that has garnered more attention than any non-Mayweather boxing match since, I don't know, Canelo Triple G one, And probably more than that. I mean, honestly, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. was probably the single most hyped boxing match since Mayweather Pacquiao. Which is kind of scary because... It was an exhibition, right? Eight-round exhibition. I don't even know what to say about that, so hopefully as we go along here, my thoughts on that particular part of boxing will formulate, and I'll be able to tell you. But there's so much to talk about right now, and I'm not going to delay in, you know, talking about what's the, the hottest thing to talk about in the sport right now. So... Let me set the table for you like this. You know you know, Mike. Everybody knows Mike. Everybody wanted Mike to win except for me because I'm a Roy Jones guy, all right? Roy Jones is my favorite fighter of all time. I, I take it even further, and feel free to challenge me on this if you feel otherwise. For my money, though, in, in the years I've spent watching boxing and, and being cognizant of what's going on, at the height of his powers, there was not a better fighter than Roy Jones. From my eyes, now I'm, I'm not talking like Ali in the 70s because I didn't see Ali in the 70s. I'm not talking Ray Leonard in the 80s because I didn't see Sugar Ray in the 80s. Or Ray Robinson before both of them. I, I didn't see them in their peak periods of time. Not, you know, in the actual moment. But Roy Jones, I, I caught I caught some of his actual peak. I remember where I was when he beat John Ruiz for the heavyweight championship, being the first former middleweight to win the heavyweight title in 106 years at the time. The last person that did it was did it in 1897. Roy did it in 2003. I was in eighth grade. And even before that, I, I remember the you know, the, the hands behind the behind the back against Glenn Kelly and just knocking him out in 2 I can go back and I remember so much of that. Even, I mean, I was only, I was a little, little, little for this, but as I got older, I went back and was able to watch um, Roy versus Bernard Hopkins and most certainly Roy versus James Tony. And, you know, you, you still see the iconic knockdown from that Roy versus James Tony fight, you know, that basically had cemented Roy's legend almost instantly but Saturday he was he was just another name if if I'm being real he was just another name because the world didn't care to see Roy Jones but the world sure wanted to see Iron Mike and something about Tyson I'ma say this having gone from that night june eleventh two thousand five in DC AKA right around the corner from me, where Tyson fought Kevin McBride and quit on his stool and ended his career, his professional career that way, certainly in 2020, I wasn't thinking Mike was going to look good in this exhibition. And and, and that was the thing because everybody was like, Tyson's back and and of course you wanted the, the knockouts and... And everything else that Tyson brings, that excitement. But while that's one thing, and that was very possible for him to bring, like the excitement was a given, no matter how he performed, Mike had the excitement. I saw the reactions of some of you, and I didn't see the reactions of many, many others, but universally, there there weren't many people that didn't want to see Mike do well, didn't want to see Mike in the ring, period but he actually looked good though that's what that tripped me out i mean it, it, it was such a contrast right roy walks to the ring and again i'm team roy i'm rjj all day but roy walks to the ring and and if and if you don't or didn't notice this go back and watch He's walking to the ring and I'm like, oh, them knees don't look good. Now, now I get it. He's 51, but them knees don't look good. I was like, well, he, he walking on a shaky foundation. I don't like where this is about to go potentially, but Tyson, you know, he, I mean, everything he said he was going to do, he did my, you know, he, he came forward with, you know, bad intentions in, in them punches, like, Look at Roy in the second round. Like like midway through the second round. He was hurting. Not hurting. He was hurting. He didn't want none of them body shots. I give him credit for taking them. Because he took some good, some good shots, especially to the body. Mike, Mike worked the body very well. And, you know, Roy for for there wasn't much Roy could do. <laughs> Let's put it like that. Roy tried You know, sticking the jab on the outside, but Mike kept coming forward, and he's, like, right in Roy's grill. And historically, Roy has never really had anybody in his grill like that, save for maybe Joe Calzaghe. And I'm talking Roy that's been, like, all right, he wasn't peak Roy for that Calzaghe fight in 08. But peak or serviceable Roy, he's never really had anybody in his grill like Mike was in this in this exhibition. Calzaghe and maybe Glenn Johnson back in 04 the only two I can really think of. Even Tarver, Tarver wasn't really in Roy's grill. Tarver just had Roy's timing down. And that damaged Roy's processing going forward after he got knocked out by Tarver in their second of their three fights. But Tyson's speed, he looked really good. Like, it looked like he really took the fight Seriously, not saying Roy didn't, but I think there was something special, something extra there for Mike because maybe the way he did go out on 05 or, you know, just his progression as a person over the last decade and a half. Who knows? But I was impressed. I was impressed. And all Roy could do when Mike got that close, rather than gambling, I mean, the strength is the last thing that goes in boxing so rather than gamble on some more of those vicious body shots or god forbid uppercut of some sort a short uppercut Roy did the smartest thing he could do grab try to control the fight try to wear Tyson down because he hadn't been in the ring in 15 years and try to play it that way rather than really legitimately risking your health and that was my thing. I, and, I, and I know there was there were some people upset because it's like, oh, Roy doing all this grabbing and blah I'm like, look, why did you expect any different? You've seen how punches affect Roy when they hit flush, particularly from 2004 onward. So put yourself in his shoes. Yes, yeah, an exhibition. But like I said, strength is the last thing to go in a boxer's repertoire. His speed will diminish, his processing might, you know, the instincts, all that. But the strength is still there. It's just it can't get to you as quick. But with Roy's history, if I'm in Roy's shoes and and I'm, you know, doing what he called, you know, a a bucket list type of achievement and fighting, fighting, (laughs) Mike Tyson, whether 54 years old, 24, 34, I don't care. I'm not trying to feel that power. I want no smoke. So people can complain all they want about Roy grabbing and grabbing and grabbing, and of course he was just tired anyway, and, and the body shots wore him down further. But the man's 51, Mike is 54. So like, what, what do you what do you really expect? I can say this: the fight, you know, even with the um, the special judges, all all retired boxers, they had uh, Vinny Pazienza, Christy Martin. One of the women's goats or the, or the goats in women's boxing. And had Chad Dawson. All, all pretty good fighters in their time. But the whole draw angle, I mean, let's be real. I test, which is what we go by around here. Mike, if that were a real fight, Mike wins that fight. Seven rounds to one, maybe a whitewash, eight rounds to zero. Let's be real. He dictated, he dictated the, the action. Roy was, you know, he, he was clinching and grabbing a lot, rightfully so. But also, you, you take all that away, Roy's output wasn't accurate at all. Roy only landed nine punches in his most aggressive round. So he, he didn't have a round where he landed double-digit punches. Tyson had at least three. And and I'm just looking at each round, looking at the the jabs and and all the total punches being thrown per round. I'm like, wow, like Roy is just really out here like in survival mode. But again, I get it, (laughs) I get it because it's Mike. I mean, (laughs) come on, man, really? Don't 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 clown Roy because you know, if you were in there with Mike, you'd have been on your bicycle too. Let's, let's, Let's not cap now. Let's not cap. Let's not get the welling. Because you know you would have been on your bicycle. You would have been grabbing if you even stepped in the ring at all. And I and when I say you, I'm including me in that. I, I don't want any problems with Mike Tyson. Any version of Mike Tyson. No, thank you. But all that to say, really, you didn't have to look that deep into the fight. Because if you expected, no, let me, let me, let me back that up. The objective was not who won, Right. Me, personally, I said, as long as both people, particularly Roy, because I knew Mike would be okay. But as long as Roy got out of there healthy, that, that's the only barometer of success that this fight had for me. That and the most obvious one, the only one that really mattered above their, you know, in addition to their health. Entertainment. Were you entertained? Me I must say I was. I'm surprisingly I say that even you know after more than 24 hours after the fight. but I was entertained. and no matter how much you want Mike to knock out Roy because like 1988 or no matter how much you want Roy to show off his crazy athleticism and no look punches like his 1990s, You know, the whole decade into the early 2000s. You can't really expect a 51-year-old and a 54-year-old, respectively, to give you that. But at the same time, if you look, just look away from that and take your unreasonable expectations out of it. Because a lot of the expectations that I saw for this fight and this whole card, which I'll get into in a second. A lot of the expectations I saw and heard were... Kind of unreasonable. I'm not going to lie to you. I just, it was just as simple as this. 2020, year that we've never had before. We need things to unite around. Besides wearing that mask, please continue to do so. But with it being Thanksgiving and, you know, just we're festive and we're celebrating in family and just, you know, unification in the most unusual way that we have ever seen as humans, we needed something that could unite us all, no matter who you root for, Tyson, Roy, whoever, in a way that's familiar, in a way that feels right. And nothing, now looking back on this fight, there's not many things that unite folks the way some Mike Tyson boxing does. And and it's that simple. And on that note, it was a success. I, I don't feel like there were many people, if anybody, that was not impressed by Mike's performance. Now, let me say this. That being said, it was a good night for that event. But we need to make a separation right here, right now. Actually, before that, let me say this. I love Roy Jones Jr. I love Mike Tyson. I don't need to see either of them fight again. I I, I'm, I don't. I don't. And the reason why is because after that fight, into just moments ago before I came out here and, and put the old headphones on and, and began talking, and probably after I take the headphones out and continue about my day, I'm going to go watch classic Roy Jones. I'm going to go watch classic Mike Tyson because this cannot be the image, the lasting image that I allow in my head when it comes to these two fighters. One of which I already told you is my all time favorite in Roy. No, 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 no. I don't need to see any more of Roy Jones. And I really don't need to see any more of Mike Tyson, but I I understand that there's probably a chance that we're going to see Mike again in the ring. But Roy, I'm not going to lie to you. Outside of his boxing gloves, tribute to Kobe. Y'all know how I feel about Kobe. Outside of that, tell me why he needs to be in the ring ever again. Now, I'm not talking just like doing doing a nice little training video for, for IG or something like that. Like, that's fine. Because I understand, I mean, the man even said it himself. He's probably never going to actually retire, whatever that means. I respect it. I mean, I'm not, the, I'm not the one that's a Hall of Fame boxer. I'm not the one that was a 1988 gold medalist. We know, We know the real. We know he got robbed. I'm not the one that's a former four division champion either. I'm no pound for pound king, but because of all those things and because I feel he's the greatest fighter that my eyes have ever seen in real time. I can't look at Roy like that ever again. Just the I mean, now he's 51, right? So we're talking the diminished stature in terms of his overall just shape and build for the fight like you know i can't see that i can't the long uber long trunks that look like and one shorts i can't see that no this this was not roy jones man like nah roy jones is coming out either rapping his own song all that got the jordan trainers on with the tassels too and just the baddest fighter on the planet. You can't do nothing with him. You can't even, you can't even touch his chin because you can't hit him. That's the Roy that will always be in my mind. That, that will always go down to my history books. But that Saturday, I don't, I don't even see any more of that. And I'm not saying that out of disrespect. I'm saying out of love. Roy, please. Leave the people that revere you as a fighter and person. Leave them... Leave them a positive view of yourself in the ring. Please let this be the send-off. You got it out the way. And let's leave it there. But Tyson will fight again. Who? I don't know. but But he will. And... You know, that, I mean, this is a fight that took 17 years to make because you might remember in 2003 or you might not remember in, in 03 when there, there was, you know, small talks about Roy, who had just won the, the heavyweight title, potentially staying at heavyweight and fighting Tyson. I feel like Roy should have stayed at heavyweight at least one more fight and fought. He could have fought anybody. He could have fought Chris Bird, Evander Holyfield, Tyson. I wouldn't have suggested Lennox Lewis. No, nope. But he still had a, a crop of people he could have chose from. But he went down to wait too quickly, in my opinion, and he started the Antonio Tarver trilogy and we know what happened. So all I can say, though, 17 years is a long time between the, the talk of a fight and the actual fight. I felt kind of the same way 10 years ago when Roy Jones fought Bernard Hopkins for the second time. First time was in 93 and it took so long for them to rematch. I don't know why, because they, they both Hopkins went on a tear after that fight. Look at look at the people he beat. And Roy, again, he owned the 1990s and much of the early, early, like first two to three years of the 2000s. How it took them over a decade and a half to fight again if they were ever going to do it and with them always being in the same stratosphere in terms of weight is nonsense. And, And we saw the diminished product that that was in 2010. That fight was awful. And it had me thinking the same way I'm thinking about Roy in 2020. It's like, stop. Just stop. All in all, I was entertained. And that's where I'll leave it. Because there is a fine line between that an entertainment spectacle and boxing. All right. Let's let's look at this card that we just saw on Saturday. Now the first fight was good. That that kid Ortiz who, who won that fight in the the very first fight of the night. He might be something. He, he, he was, he was pretty decent. So that truthfully, that was probably the best fight of the night. Because the next three, Badu Jack versus a club fighter, don't even remember his name. Blake McKernan, I believe it was, but the guy had never, literally never fought in anything more than a club scene. So to put a faded, former two division champion who's trying to hold on for what reason i don't know because badu jack just does nothing for me in 2020 but i get it he he still wants to fight and he's still looking for a title shot and it was just hey you got this guy i'm gonna feed him to you you'll look good people will buy it the real ones won't and that'll be that we'll see what happens that fight, whatever, no no stock put into it. Even less stock than that, which is nothing, was put into that Jake Paul, Nate Robinson. I'm only mentioning this fight because I feel like me even talking about it hurts my. It it almost hurts my credibility as a person that that watches the sport of boxing and knows his stuff. I only I'm I'm only saying this for y'all. I'm not saying it for me. Jake Paul, Nate Robinson, what did y'all think was going to happen? I mean, come on now. Let's look at this now. You have a five, what's Nate, five, eight, 36-year-old who has never boxed before and had, what, a few weeks training? Did he even spar anybody versus a YouTube guy? Who is trying to make this his thing. Like his actual career. Jake Paul is. And at 23. You know. Who's to say that he he doesn't have enough time. To do that. There have been crazier stories. Minus the YouTube part. Than his. You know. His, his beginning in the sport. But. When. Fights like this start to overshadow good fights, legitimate fights, real fights. Then that's where you lose me. But again, I ask, what did you expect to happen? Nate Robinson's never been in a boxing ring, quote unquote, professionally ever. So, so did you think he was just going to magically at 36 years old learn how to, how to fight? In terms of the sweet science? No. He lunged forward and gravity clocked out. Gravity was clocked out for the weekend. And he kept lunging forward. I knew he was going to fall on his face. I knew it. And then you're coming out a guy that's 6'3". And that's already going to have the range on you. I'm like, man, come on. Come on, man. Nate was fighting like he was trying to make a world star compilation. Let's be real. If, if Nate could have suplexed Jake Paul, he would have. That's that's how tough he was trying to lunge in and go at him, and he paid for it. And and I'm glad he's healthy, and I'm I'm glad he was able to take the jokes because he had a lot of them coming. But as it's happening, everybody just seems so surprised. Like I'm seeing updates, ESPN slash SportsCenter talking about Nate Robinson got. TKO'd in the, the, what was it, the second round or or whatever, like got dropped three times. I'm like, duh, okay. I mean, (laughs) where's the surprise in that? Where is the surprise? Like I hate when people just act surprised off of something that was a foregone conclusion. I wanted Nate to do well. I knew he wouldn't. Realism, let's embrace it. Then on top of that, Let's live in it. (laughs) Day-to-day lives, realism. They're they're a pretty good combo once they get to know each other. And that's all I have to say about that fight. Fight, if you want to call it that. But like I was saying before, there's so much to talk about in boxing, and now I, I need to transition from the entertainment that we were all waiting on to fights, real fights, that we are still waiting on. Now what do you mean, Left? Danny Garcia versus Errol Spence Jr. Is coming up this Saturday. Right? A fight that will actually mean something. But won't have the same. Hype around it. That Tyson Jones just did. Which is sad. Because if people really understood what. We might be on the cusp of. I feel they'd be more excited. But again, the nostalgia is not there. So like most things, nostalgia will outweigh the current product no matter what. Look at shoes. Why why, why do you think everybody's walking around in a pair of Jordan 1s now or 11s? Right. Nostalgia is there. I fall prey to it, too. Nostalgia will always win. But. What we're on the cusp of potentially is something that over the next year can be nostalgic years from now. And we can double back and say that we were there for the original if it goes according to plan. See, we're, we're so close to our generations. Hagler, Hearns, Leonard and, and Hagler, Leonard Hearns. Like. We are so close all we need is for Errol Spence to do his job on Saturday. That's all we need. Errol Spence Jr., Danny Garcia, Errol Spence needs to win because Terrence Crawford just won a couple weeks ago against Kel Brook. Let's talk about that real quick because it's been a while since I didn't talk to y'all. Kel Brook is the biggest name. Outside of an undefeated Gamboa going back to 2014, who Crawford knocked out in Omaha, Crawford's hometown. But outside of a then-undefeated Gamboa, Kel Brook is Terrence Crawford's most notable, in terms of name value, victory. Kel Brook is still a pretty good fighter. Let's not get it twisted. Now, I know everybody also, and rightfully so, believe that Crawford was going to knock out Kell Brook. I did too. I I thought it was going to be eighth round knockout and it ended up being a fourth round knockout. But those first three rounds from, for much of those first three, Kell Brook was doing his thing. Kell Brook had the answer for Crawford who was, who came out fighting in an orthodox, in a right-handed stance, Crawford's a southpaw. Kelbrook negated all that with his jab and his distance and his, and his timing. He had a tremendous first two rounds. The third round, Crawford started getting a, a little, he switched to southpaw. Now, when Kelbrook throws that jab, because Brook is, is also right handed, so when he throws that jab, Crawford's coming over it with his jab, his right hand. And in the fourth round, he got Kelbrook out of there. That jab that um, it's like a jab of like a a little touch of a hook because of how Crawford just angles it. And and it's such a good punch. But the jab that basically sent Kell Brook through the ropes. Was just broke everything, just broke the complete foundation of whatever Kell Brook's game plan was. And then before you know it, Crawford, the best finisher in the sport, probably outside of. Well, maybe including Wilder right now. So maybe just the best finisher in the sport, period. You know, comes over. Yeah, I think it was what, a, a right, two overhand lefts. No, overhand left, right, right. And the ref just, you know, calls it off. Fight over. TKO for, for Crawford. So now you have Crawford, who who just came off of this victory. But you also have Kell Brook, who is now 39-3. and three. And... When we talked about Gamboa a couple weeks ago, Gamboa's four losses now in his career, but three of them were two elite fighters. He lost to Javante Davis, he lost to Devin Haney, and of course he lost to Crawford. Kel Brook is, has much of that same type of career arc. When you look at Brook's three losses, look at the competition he faced. He faced Triple G when nobody wanted to fight Triple G. And when I say nobody, I do mean nobody, including Canelo. Nobody won a triple G at that point in time. Kell Brook went up to middleweight from welterweight to do it. And though he lost, he got knocked out. He didn't do too bad for himself. 2017, Errol Spence Jr., who also nobody, hello Keith Thurman, nobody wanted to fight. At that point in time, Kelbrook Brook takes a challenge. Spence goes over to Brook's home country, knocks him out. Kelbrook also received fractured orbital bones. I, I believe the the right in one fight, the left in the other. So both of them in those two fights. And then he comes back for his third loss, which was also we know by TKO versus Crawford, who nobody is seeming to want to fight because he's on the quote-unquote other side of the street, a.k.a. top rank. when you have the rest of the 147-class fighters, like the world-class 147 fighters at welterweight over at Premier Boxing Champions, PBC. So, while I fully believe that Kell Brook should retire, that, that should have been... There's only two ways this can go for Kell Brook. Either... That was his last fight, which it very well should have been. Or you do Kell Brook, Amir Khan, when fans can attend fights again over in the UK. And the only stipulation is both of them, Amir Khan and Kell Brook, must retire after that final bell. That's all I can really think of for Kell Brook at this point in time. But for Crawford, he's now set the first part of the table for what we should get in 2021 I don't care if it's mid 2021 or late 2021 we need this fight next year I need Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence Jr. and it makes so much sense right now because you'll never have it as a better setup and here's what I mean Crawford fought in November Spence is fighting Saturday Let's use July as an example or, 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 as the proposed month that this fight takes place. July of 2021. Crawford would have, would have had about, what, eight months rest? Seven and a half. Spence, assuming he wins, which he should, but it should be a good fight as well. Cause Garcia is no slouch. He, he's just the, Garcia is the horse that goes to the well, but doesn't drink. He'll he'll be every fighter before he finally gets the big payoff opportunity, but then he won't win that one. And and I don't think that'll change Saturday. But anyway, assuming Spence wins, Spence has seven months also before his next fight. So the rest times between the two are about as even as you're going to get. And also time is ticking. Errol Spence is... is we'll see just how back he is but i feel like there's really nothing to worry about he's 30 years old i i feel he'll be just fine crawford though is 33 and and he's right at that point where he's you know he's he's probably still peak crawford prime crawford definitely if not peak certainly prime but how much longer will he be able to rest at that prime before we see some real decline It is not a super fight if one or both of these fighters are out of their prime by the time it happens. If it happens at all. If it even happens. Time is of the essence. And we need this. I know I do. So Spence has to set his half of the table and then we just got to hope that PBC and Top Rank can work together. We got to hope that Crawford, who's talking 60 40 in his favor for the fight in terms of the split revenue. Spence is saying, I already did more, or yeah, I'm the bigger draw than Crawford. I need 60 40 my way. Man, look, y'all do this 40 guaranteed to Spence, 40%, 40% guaranteed to Crawford when it gets the extra 20. Let's uh, uh, stop making this difficult, y'all. Like, come on. Are, are we are we bringing solutions to the problem or are we bringing a problem to the solution that's already there? Let's go. Because what's happening now is there there's so much that's getting in the way of this that it is really it, it's getting dicey. You got Bob Aram, top ring CEO, talking about he basically can't promote Crawford and he's losing money off of Crawford. I'm like, well, hello. Errol Spence is about to fight like y'all can y'all can if you if you want to make money off Crawford, you're just sit tight a little longer. You better have the best chance ever in a minute if you if you can just hold tight. But he's saying that publicly about Crawford. So they're going back and forth. Crawford's deal with top rank is only through October of next year, I believe. So we might see him once more under under top rank if we're if we're lucky. Maybe twice, but probably once. Assuming he doesn't re-up and renegotiate with them successfully. And then there's this other fighter like Roy Jones, who I do not need to see fight again. Certainly not against these two. Either of these two. But Crawford and Spence both have a common opponent in mind. And his name is Manny Pacquiao. Yes, the same 41-year-old Pacquiao that I don't understand for the life of me why either of them want to fight. Now, let me back up for a second. I do get it. It's a legacy fight. You want the name on your resume. You, you want to do what Canelo did with Shane Mosley. You want to do what, what Pacquiao did with Oscar De La Hoya. Like, I, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. I don't need to see Manny Pacquiao fight again. I don't. Y'all probably love Manny Pacquiao. I do too. He's an he's, he's all-time great fighter. Nobody's disputing that. One of the best ever. But when it comes to elite fighters, I mean, let me say this. If Pacquiao wanted to fight Crawford or Spence already, it would already happen. Let's be real. It would have already happened. He don't, he does not want the pressure with either of them, nor should he, because he will get hurt. I'm telling you, he will get hurt if he fights Spence or Crawford, and it's point blank. It's so easy to see, like why? Why do we, I, I get why the fighters want it? They they want it for their own cases in, in, in the pound for pound ranks, which is pound for pound. Is so is it, becoming so trash, in my opinion, but. They want that on their resume. Okay, uh, whatever. But as a fan, I don't need to see Pacquiao fight again. He's talking about fighting Conor McGregor. This is a problem with these these pseudo-boxing matches that, that are really more entertainment slash pro wrestling than anything. If I'm going to get theatrics in boxing, give me theatrics with the best fighters. Pacquiao for his Hall of Fame career and everything he's done in the sport is no longer an elite fighter. I don't care what Freddie Roach or any boxing program tells you. He's not elite at this point in time. So, so don't, don't give me Manny Pacquiao anything. Certainly not when you're talking about two top five fighters right now. It won't end well and y'all won't like it when it happens. You won't like it. Do you remember when when Floyd Mayweather fought Arturo Gotti in, in the summer of 05, June of 05? And and people love Gotti, right? Rest in peace to Arturo Gotti. People loved Gotti. Of course, the epic, you know, trilogy with Mickey Ward. Love Gotti. He, he never backed down from a fight, nothing. You remember what happened when he fought Floyd? Floyd left Arturo Gotti crying, crying on his stool as his corner waves off the fight because he was taking too much punishment. Floyd destroyed Gotti, and I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm not suggesting, I'm not putting it out there saying it might. No, trust me on this. Trust me. If Manny Pacquiao somehow gets into a fight a legitimate one with Terrence Crawford or Errol Spence at this point in his career, he will get hurt. He will be stopped and he will be retired. And I'll stand on that, but I I don't, I don't want to have to come back on here on a future episode and say, I told you so because it shouldn't happen. It should not happen. Let's talk about more boxing that should not happen. Canelo versus Triple G, part three. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't care. Because as we know, Triple G won the first fight. I don't care what. You can't tell me anything. I saw it with my own eyes. If I watch it back a hundred times with a hundred different people, I'm telling everybody Triple G won that first fight. We know he did. Second fight was debatable. You could say Canelo won. You could say Triple G won. But that's all I need to see. Round three is not even on my radar. And it shouldn't be on yours. But that said, we're probably, probably going to get it. Because just like with Spencer Crawford, where they're they're fighting so close to each other that it just makes sense for that to be next. Canelo and Triple G are fighting... A day apart. Canelo, well, Triple G actually fights first. He's fighting on the 18th of December. Fighting against Camille Zaramata. Who is he? I don't know. 21-0, five knockouts. Eh, whatever. Triple G's fighting because that's his mandatory opponent for his share of the middleweight championship. Okay, the next night, Canelo Alvarez, boxing's cash cow, is fighting against Callum Smith, which is a good fight because Callum Smith is a very good, if not the best, at 168. He's up there, right there with Caleb Plant. Now, obviously, if Canelo stays at 168, he's the best in that division. But Callum Smith is no such at all. He didn't have the best outing in his last fight, but Callum Smith is, is rangy. He's 6'3", so he's going to have the height advantage, the reach advantage, And he can do some things. Now, what I don't like about this fight, this is what I do not like about Canelo. Canelo Alvarez is doing what any other cash count boxing would do. He's stacking the deck in his favor. He did it with Triple G. He and Oscar De La Hoya did it with Triple G. You saw how that played out. You've seen these moves by Canelo, like fighting the Rocky Fieldings and the Sergey Kovalev's again, not the crusher, just Sergey Kovalev. There's a difference, trust me. But fighting all these guys, kind of like on his terms, and I mean, he he has that weight to do so. I mean, it, it's a sad reality, but it's a reality. I, I understand it's, it's just part of it. How that comes around this time is that at the time of the fight being made, Count Smith only had three and a half weeks to prepare for. Perhaps boxing's best fighter. I don't think Canelo's the best fighter in the sport. I think it's Crawford right now. But if you go off a resume, because people like that so much, you could say Canelo has the strongest resume. If you just look at it and just don't look into it, there's a difference. But three and a half weeks, stacking the deck, Canelo, it is very, it is very LeBron James esque if we're being real it's very lebronish how canelo works these stipulations into his favor like what i can't say if he wins in which i believe he will that it's not a legitimate win like some of his other recent fights but can the can the man get a, a real training camp at least like can he can he get 6 8 he he should get 12 weeks, honestly, if we're being real about it. But now we have to hope and assume that Calvin Smith has kept himself in shape during this time since, since his last fight. And I, and I feel he has. But three and a half weeks? D- do you need any more of an advantage, dude? Really? That's just what I don't like about Canelo. I can't knock him because he's in a position to do so. But I don't know, man. I, I just, yeah, I could go on about that. But yes, Canelo though, fights December 19th versus Callum Smith right after Triple G fights in his title defense the night before. Which means, assuming both win, both of them should Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, you're probably going to see that fight a third time. Because Canelo has many other options, but what it, what does Triple G have in all this at this point? Because remember, Canelo's a free agent now in terms of of network, so he can go, he could go fight a Jamal Charlo if he wanted to. I would love to see that. I wish we would see that, but we're not. He could go fight a uh, Demetrius Andrade if he wanted to. I wouldn't want to see that because Andrade is boring. But what I'm saying is Canelo has power to move any which way he wants to. Caleb Plant, he can do that also. Triple G is stuck on the zone. And remember, Triple G only joined the zone for that Canelo trilogy. But now Canelo's gone. But he's doing work with the zone in this Callum Smith fight. So maybe, just maybe, it'll work out for Triple G. I don't want to see it though. Golovkin will be 39 years old by the time they fight again. And there's nothing at 39 that would suggest he'd be better than he was at 37 or 36. If you remember Golovkin's last fight, Versus Sergey Drevenchenko, October 2019, he didn't look that good. Drevenchenko gave him some problems, and a lot of people thought that Drevenchenko won that fight. I think Golovkin narrowly, very narrowly won, like 115, 113, think of it like that. But it's not the same guy. It's not the same guy. At least until proven otherwise, and I don't think at 38 going on 39, you're going to show me anything that I didn't see or, or that, I, yeah, that I was looking for when you were 36, 37. That's just me. And, and I don't want to see the fight. But for those who do, whether we're talking Triple G, Canelo 3, Spence Crawford, hopefully, and... Other fights scattered across the realm of boxing. Just hold tight. You might get that delayed gratification after all. Wait a minute. Delayed gratification. So stay tuned. It's going to be a two-part episode. Delayed gratification. Yeah, we'll get into that right after this.